Well, good morning again. Um, this is the second Sunday of Advent, um, and what we've been kind of starting to do through this time, oh, sorry, kids, if you want to head out for Kids Zone, I forgot that, I don't want to miss Kids Zone. They hear me preach enough. <clears throat> what we've been trying to do through this Advent season is take some um, routine things, some things that are probably a part of all of our uh, preparation for Christmas, for you know the 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 holiday of Christmas, the. Um, Christmas gatherings, the things that we do around this season, these are things that we probably all participate in, and how to take some of these common occurrences and just think, pause, uh, be intentional about them in a little bit different way that draws us deeper into this story of Christmas. Um, a few weeks ago, kind of before we actually got to Advent, um, I introduced an acronym called Bells. It was Bells. B-E-L-L-S. And I just want to remind us quickly about what we talked about several weeks ago. And this was about how we could live more intentionally on mission. Uh, often we think of missionaries as people that we send to other places that need to hear about Jesus. And what we are starting to realize is that it doesn't, you don't have to send missionaries all over the globe. Uh, that we can live as missional people in uh, our jobs, in our school, in our communities, uh, in our neighborhood right where we live because there's folks all over that uh, are longing to hear, longing to experience the good news of Jesus as Lord. And so BELLS was the acronym. And it starts with B for BLESS. I know bells and bless are very close, and so that was a little confusing a couple weeks ago. But bless, and we we're talking about bless three people each week. Hopefully some of these are fairly easy to do in this Advent season as we're thinking about uh, gifts and cards and, and being around other people. Uh, so maybe this is a good time to kind of build that into your, your life, to think about being intentional about it. So B for bless, E for eat, eat with three people each week. Um, L was spend one significant period of time learning from Jesus. Um, most of our devotionals, our Advent devotionals, uh, come out of the gospel story. And so learning about Jesus maybe is something that you can start to build into uh, your practice. Uh, but spend more than just the, you know, I don't know, if you're using the uh, Brethren Advent devotional or using another Advent devotional, um, spend some longer time just uh, looking at the Christmas story, looking at the story of Jesus all throughout his life, and really thinking about what Jesus is doing in those moments. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about how Jesus is eating with people. Jesus is often either going to a meal or eating a meal or coming from a meal. But, but look at how Jesus is living and, and it, um, how he's interacting with those around him and who he's talking to and how he's talking to them. The second L is listening. Spend one significant period of time listening to the Spirit. Be intentional about that time. Pause and, 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 and set that time aside. Maybe it starts with 15 minutes. Maybe 30 minutes uh, would be great. Longer if you have it and if you can. Um, 
S then is sent, that you and I are sent out and we need to reflect on that. Who is God sending us to? Who is God sending us with? What is happening in the lives of those that Jesus is sending us to? And so like I said, there's a lot of ways to incorporate bells into this Advent season. Um, One of those ways is through eating with others, uh, something that will invite you to um, practice, to participate in following the service. Uh, we, we need some practice eating together, and so we'll do that. Christmas is a great time of year to eat. Uh, there's Christmas cookies, there's Christmas dinners, there's Christmas candy. So there's lots of opportunity for us to practice this together. This morning I want to talk about contemplating Christmas as we come and gather with folks around the table. And as we look at that this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for coming uh, to Bethlehem. We also thank you for coming into our midst here in Hershey. We thank you for coming into our midst in our homes, in restaurants, in places that we gather with others. And now we ask that the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts together would be pleasing to you, that you would be moving and speaking through this time. Help us to have ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the scripture that... that, uh, Penny read for us this morning, is very familiar to us. It's, it's the Christmas story out of Matthew. Uh, what's interesting to me is that Matthew doesn't provide a lot of intro narrative into the story uh, of Christmas, into kind of the buildup. If you want that buildup, that, that lengthy uh, time, you got to go to Luke to read that story. Matthew decides to uh, start his uh, gospel account with a genealogy, and you read about this this lineage of Jesus, which is really important. Um, It it, it ties Jesus back to David and and beyond that, back to to Abraham and and beyond that. And so that that story is really important for us to read, but but Matthew doesn't provide a lot of the, uh, the narrative context. Instead, we are introduced to Mary and Joseph. We're told they are betrothed, they are engaged which in their world, uh, that engagement was a very binding relationship. It actually took a certificate of divorce to break off an engagement. And so it was not just, well, we decided months later to, to, we weren't right for one another. Once they've made that engagement process, they're kind of in it. And what would often happen is the the groom would go back to his home and would get to work on either adding on to the family home or building his own uh, home. And and once that place was ready to uh, be uh, habitable for this husband and wife, they could finally get together, they could be married, they could have the celebration, and they could move in together. And, And they weren't always sure about how long that process would take. Um, if one of the parties would, the, 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 the groom-to-be or the, the bride-to-be would 
die in that time. The other was consider, considered a widow or a widower. And so this engagement was quite a, a binding uh, agreement, a binding relationship. So we're told then that Mary is found to be with child, which is, you know, in, if you're just reading Matthew and you don't have Luke to, to go and base it off of, kind of sounds like all of a sudden they find that Mary is with child, which would be quite a surprise at some point to just suddenly you're, you're, you're finding this out. A little different from Luke's buildup. Uh, one commentator, Rodney Reeves, comments about how God smuggled his son in through the back door without even a heads up for Joseph. Joseph plans then to separate from Mary quietly. It's interesting that he's trying to do, I think, the right thing by God and by Mary because he's trying to do it quietly. He's trying to honor uh, what he thinks is the righteous thing to do before God. And yet he deeply cares about Mary, and so he doesn't want to make this a public spectacle. Um, Mary could suffer some very real extreme consequences, possibly even death, if she's found to be with child and is not with Joseph. And so he's trying to do the right thing by both of them, and he thinks this is how he's got to work it out. It turns out that he won't have to compromise either his relationship with God or his relationship with Mary. And so Joseph receives the vision from God's messenger, assuring him that everything's okay and giving him the instructions to name the baby Jesus. I was thinking about what it would be like to, to receive this message and then to have the instructions to name your child Jesus. In my world, and I think maybe particularly in the English-speaking world, we hear Jesus and you and I automatically know who we're talking about. Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And we don't have to stipulate which Jesus we're talking about, because we all know, we hear Jesus, and we all know who we're talking about. But in Jesus' day, there were a lot of people named Jesus. This is, it's actually Yeshua, which is, which is Joshua, and it was kind of a common run-of-the-mill name in Jesus' time. It would be like Jim or, or, or John or Bob in our time. There's quite a few people with that name. Jesus possibly had other people in his, in his Torah school with that name. And they, so they, you know, this is Jesus, son of Joseph, and this is Jesus, son of, you know, Timothy or, you know, whatever other name they might have around them. Okay? So they heard that, and you had to be a little bit more specific. I think it's one more way that the God of the universe is sneaking into the flesh. So Joseph is told that Jesus will save his people from their sins. And Matthew takes this, this story and ties it back to words from Isaiah. We studied Isaiah back this summer. And, and uh, Matthew wants to quote this, this section. 
there's a whole discussion that happens among scholars and professors and people that want to have this kind of conversation, a discussion of translation and word choice and definitions that people discuss here. It's, I think it's an interesting conversation, but it's really for another time. What I want to highlight is what Matthew highlights, that it's Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So what does any of this have to do with a table? Sermon title is At the Table. Uh, the video that we uh, watched right before this is called At the Table, and it's all about gathering around the table. And so what does the story of Jesus coming, God with us, God, uh, Emmanuel, what does this have to do with a table? There was no mention of a table in the whole passage. Well, the table for you and I is central to life and central to our relationships. During the Babylonian exile, this time that's primarily between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Jewish rabbis developed the, uh, a book or instruction called the Talmud. And in this, because they were separated from the temple, because they couldn't go to the temple, because they couldn't perform their sacrifices and their rituals in the temple, there were some other traditions that developed. And in the Talmud it says, And now that we no longer have the temple in Jerusalem and its altar to bring about atonement for sin, a person's family table gains reconciliation and forgiveness. And so there was this tradition that now the table is our altar. Now the table is where we gather. And instead of the, the, the show bread that was in the, uh, in the temple, now the bread that you and I make is that bread. And we don't have access to the, the menorah in the temple anymore. And so the, the, the Shabbat candles that you and I light, these are, are the, the memory of that menorah. And so the table became a central place for the family to gather and to worship. Meals were an incredibly important part of their celebrations. And in, still in the Jewish traditions today, the meals are not peripheral to the holiday or side things for, for us to gather and, and we'll get together later. No, the meal is central to their, un, to their celebration of Passover and, and Purim and, and other holidays. And the, the meal, the food that they eat, actually highlights and emphasizes and is part of the story. So the table was very important. Meals became an intimate expression of relationship and reminder of what God has done in our midst. Bruxy Cavey is a, a pastor and author up in Canada, and he says, Real church is when we turn our chairs to face one another. When you and I look at one another, are reminded of... of um, the Imago Dei of, of the way that you and I are formed in the image. And we look at one another and we share a relationship with one another. Lots of other parts of Jesus' story happen around a table, around a meal. Jesus' first miracle takes place at a wedding celebration. As he turns water into wine, 
It saves the newlywed couple from financial disaster and shame, and it extends the party. It keeps things going. Jesus certainly enjoyed his share of meals and drinks with those around him. Like I said, ever take notice in the Gospels how often Jesus is either going to a meal or sitting at a meal. Jesus is accused of being a drunkard and a glutton and eating with the wrong crowd, which means he had to have shared quite a few uh, meals and experiences and drinks with those folks. One of the primary ways Jesus describes the fulfillment of the reign of heaven is in banquet imagery. Gathering around the table, sharing fellowship, being at the table with God. For centuries, the church has also observed feast days to celebrate holy days and to remember our heroes and sheroes of the faith. In Emmanuel, in God with us, in God taking on flesh, God is sitting down to the table face to face with humanity. God takes his place and sits with us and says, here I am. I've seen you and now you see me. Here I am. And Jesus spends much of his life at the table looking into the eyes of common people, looking into the eyes of those who are down and out, the ostracized and the marginalized as Emmanuel, God with us saying, here I am. I'm at the table with you. See me. This is what Emmanuel, God with us, means. Also, what we discover through the story of Jesus is that the table is God's and that you and I are invited to come and sit at God's table. This is the imagery of the wedding banquet as the kingdom of heaven. And you and I are invited. Jesus sends his servants out, out, out into the streets, out into the alleyways, out into the dark, and invites folks in to come and sit at the table. And the table is where we live life together. The table is where we receive nourishment together. Physical nourishment, yes. But also emotional, relational nourishment. Being together. It's been hard throughout the pandemic to to be together, to have those experiences. Church, we have to learn how to be together. We have to relearn it, maybe. And so over this season, maybe you'll be gathering with friends, gathering with family. Who will you share meals with over this Advent season? work parties or family gatherings that you get together, maybe other times that you just share meals and share life with one another. 
And what do those meals symbolize? What do they mean? They're opportunities for you to, to build relationship with one another to check in with one another, see how each other is doing, to hear how God might be working in one another's lives. And if you're eating with someone who isn't already a follower of Jesus, listen to how God might still be working in their lives, in the things that they share, in the struggles that they share, in the joys that they share. Listen. Listen to how the Spirit might be moving in their midst. I also wonder what would happen if we approach these meals as we approach communion or as we approach worship. You know, for me, these are important times. These are uh, very sacred times that we gather together. And, and there's something different about gathering for communion. We prepare our hearts, we prepare our thoughts, we prepare our minds to come into the presence of God. We might... Uh, try and reconcile relationships before we get there? What would it look like for us to approach meals in a similar fashion? To prepare our hearts, to prepare our thoughts and minds, to be reconciled with one another at the table. And how are these meals opportunities to gather together to recognize or to retell the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection? I don't do a lot of cooking at Christmas or a lot of other times. I do, I do breakfast. I try and help out around the kitchen. I do grilling uh, which, which I enjoy grilling, I, and I love the smell that it, that it creates. And um, there's other times we've got some neighbors around that like to do some grilling, and I love being outside when somebody else is grilling too and, and just smell that aroma. Here's something, a practice that maybe you want to try. When you smell the meal being prepared or you smell the cookies baking, stop and pray. And think about how your prayers may come before God as a fragrant offering, just as the wonderful smells of the food fill the air. And so this might be an opportunity, a practice for you to contemplate, think about Christmas in a different way, and as you smell that delicious food being prepared, wafting and, and, and delighting the senses of your nose, Take that time to pray, to think about your prayers being raised up before God. Anticipate the meal. Pray for your time around the table. Pray for a glimpse of God's healing and kingdom being revealed around the table. Maybe you're not cooking. Maybe you're not baking. Maybe you're helping otherwise in the preparation of the meal or the preparation of receiving guests. And so as you're preparing meals, eating meals, cleaning up after meals, how is God moving in that time? And, and start to tune your ears, tune your, your thoughts to how God is moving. And do you recognize the presence of Jesus with you at the table? And do you recognize the presence of God's good gifts at the table? 
We have a, a word that we use in the church, Eucharist. It, it, it really means good gifts. And we typically think of it in terms of the communion of, of the body and the bread, uh, the body and the bread and, and the blood and the cup, the wine, juice. And these are God's good gifts. These are expressions of uh, reminders of God's body and blood broken and poured out for us. But how might we also think of God's good gifts, God's Eucharist around the table as we gather? As bread and ham and turkey or whatever your meal is, as cookies are broken and shared? How are you reminded the presence of God's good gifts around us. I also recognize that Christmas meals can, can be hard for many of us. Family dynamics at meals can be challenging. Now maybe this is the, the first Christmas meal without someone there at the table. And so as you gather, how might you reflect on those relationships How might that meal be an expression of of hope? Sometimes family meals can also feel like an obligation. Sometimes you go to the family dinner because you're expected to be at the family dinner. Maybe that only, maybe I shouldn't even confess, maybe that happens with me sometimes. And we've got to pack up the kids and you're worried about the food and you're worried about the preparations and you're worried that you get there on time and all of the stuff that comes with getting to the meals. And and it can feel like an obligation. But how might you turn that to see this as an opportunity to at least remember Emmanuel? That God is with us. That God is present. That God is moving in those times when we sit down to the table, when we look at one another, when we celebrate with one another, when we rekindle relationships and catch up with one another. How might we open our eyes to the ways God is moving? In Emmanuel, God is with us. God sits at the table face to face with you and me, with humanity. In our Christmas family dinners, Christmas parties, or wherever you get together over this Christmas season, we have an opportunity to reflect on God coming to be with us in Jesus. As you bake, cook, or as you Enjoy the fragrance of those in your home baking and cooking. As you clean and prepare, may you take these opportunities to pray and sense the prayers coming before God as that pleasing offering. And as you prepare for the meals, may you also prepare your hearts for what Jesus might be doing in your life and in the lives of those around you. As you come to the table or come to the the altar, Recognize that Jesus is there. May you glimpse something of the reign of Christ in these banquet meals. May you be reminded of Emmanuel. Once again, I want to take opportunity 
There's going to be food outside. It's an opportunity to practice. If you forgot something, we will have food. There will be food. All right? Opportunity for us to, to join together. I'm going to invite our response now through song as we turn uh, either in the hymnals or uh, look at the screens and sing together, What Child Is This? As we recognize that the God of the universe steps into our presence, steps into our midst as Emmanuel, God with us. Would you stand as we sing?